G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You've probably noticed a rapid culture change that's sweeping Australia. So a special focus today on how those changes might be affecting Australian young adults. And reportedly around 3% of Australian young adults attends church regularly and over 60% do not even have a friend who is a Christian. Well, you might be disturbed by those sorts of thoughts. Well, Christian organisations on the front lines, places like universities and high schools, have been working diligently adapting their strategies to confront a new form of secularism that's robbing young adults of faith in Christ. Our special guest today describes the change as a little bit similar to the shift from modernism to postmodernism that was evident back in the 1990s. And if you're wondering about what all that means, we might talk about that in just a few minutes. Well, perhaps it means that approaches to evangelism and discipleship that worked so well 30 years ago are proving less effective today and new, innovative approaches that engage people with the gospel are now more necessary than ever. Jeff Folland is National Leader for Strategic Engagement at Power to Change. He is our guest through this coming hour. If you're wondering who Power to Change are, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, a global movement currently made up with over 15,000 full-time workers, 200,000 trained volunteers with an active presence in 205 countries around the world. Jeff Folland, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Well, Jeff, great uh, to be here. I always love talking to uh, anyone from uh, what is formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, Power to Change. There's a few other little names there that listeners might be familiar with. Uh, Crew, the CRU or Crew Global. Give us some insight here into where you fit into the big uh, machine of of what uh, Power to Change is, Jeff. Well, Neil, I got involved uh, with what was known as student life on campus in Sydney uh, back in the late 1980s. And uh, at that time, we were experiencing you know, real challenges when it came to finding effective ways to share the gospel. Uh, we were just moving from modernism into postmodernism, but uh, God used me to, to lead a friend to Christ and to start discipling other people and I, uh, other students. And so I developed a conviction that, uh, that God could use me on campus. And so I joined our campus ministry uh, back in 1995 and was serving in Sydney for the last 25 years until the middle of last year I moved to Melbourne to take up this national role. Uh, but it was about uh, seven years ago that that Student Life uh, and Campus Crusade for Christ in Australia followed the lead of our global ministry and changed our name. Uh, and so instead of having an umbrella name of Campus Crusade and, and lots of uh, ministry names like Student Life or Youth Ministries Australia, we, uh, we changed everything over to Power to Change because Power to Change is the, is the message of the gospel, isn't it? And it's the, 
the Holy Spirit who changes people's lives. Well, just an amazing history and the growth of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And as you say, under that banner now here in Australia with all those different ministries, power to change, an amazing growth. Uh, and that growth doesn't come without success. You've seen tremendous success helping to win and to shape uh, disciples for Christ on especially university campuses and uh, school campuses too. Let's talk about university campuses here because uh, you're saying there's been a real shift in the culture and university campuses is the place that that really that shift sort of seems to uh, take uh, to uh, really get uh, some traction. How have mm. you noticed that shift happening? Yeah, Neil, it's, we really are the leading edge of culture. Uh, this is where the young... Yeah, we say that the students on campus today are the leaders of the community tomorrow. Uh, and whether they're teachers or politicians or business leaders, uh, we experience those changes of culture on universities first. And, uh, and we've been noticing over the last three or four years, even before COVID, that, uh, that there seems to be a change from the kind of postmodernism where uh, people were free to, you know, you believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe. And then we could invite people to come and experience our Christian community and come and belong uh, in order to figure out what you believe. Uh, to these days, we feel like uh, we're much more tribal, uh, that, that we have uh, fixed opinions on our political stance or on particular issues. And whether, you know, if somebody doesn't agree with us, then we're likely to cancel them. Uh, and so, so we're, so the approach that we've used in the past of inviting someone to come and hang out and experience Christian community, uh, they're not as willing to do that if they don't believe that, uh, that we would accept them for who they are. So what happens with uh, the gospel on campus has been affected by this culture and uh, you've got mm. cancel culture, the thought that your opponents would be silenced, uh, the thought that there's an argument that somehow or other cancels out uh, Christianity on campus. That's something you've been battling with even here. Yeah, I think uh, we're struggling with it in the same way that we always struggle with, with cultural ideas that aren't fully Christian. And, uh, and it's a great place to be, to, to be in the marketplace of ideas. And, you know, uh, I think we're tempted to always believe that it's the other side that does cancel culture. But of course, um, whichever side we happen to, to fall on any particular issue, the temptation is to fall into the, the group who cancels someone else. Uh, but uh, I, I'm drawn to that story in John chapter 4 of Jesus encountering the Samaritan woman at the well. And she says, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we don't have anything to do with each other. And Jesus pushes through uh, to talk to her about the issues that were on her heart, uh, the real issues that she was facing. She knew all about the religious controversies of the day, but she didn't know the gospel. She didn't know the Messiah. And so uh, we want to follow Jesus in that model of, uh, of not succumbing to tribalism, to counselling people. We want to engage with people. And that's what I love about being on a university campus. Well, Jeff, my thoughts are listeners to our conversation today will be absolutely rock solid on your side. And no doubt mm -hmm. there'll be some who'd pick you up as a, a prayer point because they recognise that you are in one of the most difficult places where uh, those who will be shaping our culture tomorrow are being shaped right now on campus. And I think 
listeners can feel a little bit of the pain there that says, uh, wow, this is really difficult stuff. Dealing with cancel culture is not easy when people don't want to identify with the Christian group on campus. So when you talk about changing that or new initiatives that have got to work in a different way, how do you describe those new initiatives and how they might actually become more effective? Yeah, I think we're... uh well, let me say, when I started in full-time ministry in 1995, every second book or seminar was titled, What is Postmodernism and How Do We Do Ministry in the Midst of a Postmodern Environment? Uh, and I think that was those books were written about 10 years after postmodernism hit the public uh, culture, the public sphere. I think we're about three years into this current environment. And so there's lots of initiatives that we're experimenting with and innovating. Uh, I do think that there's still a significant number of students, uh, and Tim Keller writes about how we, we have people in our communities who are from traditional cultures. We have people in our communities who hold to modernist views and postmodernist views. We still see people talking about, well, that's your truth, not my truth. Um, but what, uh, what we need to keep doing is experimenting, and, and we can't just accept that people are going to accept us for who we are and let us believe what we believe. Uh, we need to find ways of engaging with them in sensible ways, in ways that that uh, generate respect. Uh, I, uh, I was having a conversation uh, a couple of years ago with a student who'd arrived on campus. Uh, his name was Nick, and I've got his story in, uh, in our impact report. And Nick said that he turned up to campus with a whole bunch of uh, ex- bad experiences of church, but he had some questions that he wanted answered, and so he agreed to meet with me. And, and he said, uh, as he met with me, the questions... I think fell away, and the and the real focus became Jesus, and uh, and so now Nick uh, put his trust in Jesus, and has now been uh, through the training that we offer, uh, has engaged with other students on campus, and last I heard has led two or three other students to Christ just around him as his friends, and so I think it's uh, it's easy to get caught up in what are the the issues, the religious disputes of the day, as John four would put it, the woman at the well would put it, but. The focus for us is Jesus. So how do we engage people with Jesus? And particularly if they won't come into a Christian community or something labelled as a Christian community, does that put the onus more on us as individuals to break down those barriers, uh, to find safe places to meet, uh, rather than just relying on the, the, uh, the community of other Christians or the professionals up the front to do it for us? Jeff, how do you describe what's happened over these past couple of years with COVID? Because a lot of universities and uh, different parts of mm. Australia are affected differently and uh, headquarters for your team are in Melbourne, but you've got offices in Sydney and Brisbane. So major population centres, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, obviously international students, uh, well, they just weren't even here. Uh, mm. But those students who were studying at home, not on campus, uh, it certainly must have affected you dynamically over this past couple of years. Absolutely it did. Uh, It's interesting, obviously Victoria and Melbourne students were affected more than anyone else. Uh, They, as COVID uh, hit two years ago, the campuses cancelled their O-week before COVID even fully arrived. Uh, In Sydney, uh, we were blessed that that, uh, the university still allowed us to to run O-week and so we met first year students online uh, in person uh, two years ago, at the beginning of two years ago. Local students, then we, we were reaching out to via uh, social media through friends of friends and other networks um, at the beginning of last year. Uh, Queensland and WA were less impacted by COVID in terms of um, O-weeks, but, uh, but students definitely moved online. 
and uh, and we pivoted very quickly to running our small groups, uh, doing our discipleship online. Uh, we ran a national student conference in the middle of uh, 2020 uh, online, and so those uh, so we were able to maintain the community and to encourage our students to reach out to their their peers on campus, but uh, in their classes. But the number the um, the level of relationships, the depth of relationships students had with their classmates really dissipated. And then one thing I'll say is uh, I think universities learned just how much students hate studying full-time online. <laughs> uh, they, they love being in person. They love hanging out. And even though they're on campus less now than they were, they, uh, they definitely appreciate being face-to-face for quite a bit of their their education. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision Christian Radio. Well, a conversation today that affects every single parent. And if you've got a young adult in your family, perhaps a young adult who has some aspirations to study at university, you'll be very interested in the conversation we're having here because university can sometimes be the end of faith in Christ for young people. There's some need for support that needs to happen on campus. And there's obviously the outreach that goes on that wins new souls for Christ on campus too. Well, our special guest this hour is Jeff Folland. Jeff is National Leader for Strategic Engagement at Power to Change. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. What are your thoughts for young adults? Uh, Has anything we've said uh, struck a chord with you? Would you like to disagree? You can do that as well. 1-800-316-316. Jeff, when we talk about what's got to change, uh, pivoting and changing direction, some of that for you has to happen around how you engage with churches. And this would be churches in anywhere that's close by to any sort of university campus. Reimagining the future here has to be a reimagining of the way church engagement works. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think we're Power to Change is a parachurch ministry, which means that we need to work alongside the local church. And in Australia, our university campuses are located generally in our suburbs or our major population centres near where people live and people go to university near where they live. If they're Christians and they've grown up going to church, then they stay connected to their local church while they're studying. And that means if they're involved in the campus ministry as well, then the campus ministry needs to be connected to the local church. And uh, our leaders definitely uh, try to engage in positive relationships with local church leaders. Um, I know when I was leading the ministry at Macquarie University, there were something like 300 churches, local churches, in the catchment area where 66% of our students came from. Uh, and so I couldn't maintain a direct relationship with every leader, but uh, definitely those who, were, who sent students to campus uh, or were places where students who became believers would get plugged into were really strategic and important for us. Uh, but I think that what we've also found is that local churches have struggled with COVID just as campuses have. Uh, I've talked to a number of parents of young adults whose uh, students have stopped going to university, stopped going to church over the break. And, and even senior high school students, you know, once they've passed the age where the parent can pick them up and put them in the back of the car and drive them to church. Uh, in fact, if their motivation to go to church is because they've got friends, if they've been in, in lockdown or isolation for two years, those friendships have passed. And so for a lot of churches, they're struggling to regather their, their youth and young adults. Uh, the children are back. 
the, the marrieds and families are back, but often the youth and young adults are struggling. Well, just want to pause and reflect here for a few moments because I wouldn't like any single listener to our conversation today to miss the importance of the things you're sharing here. And when we talk about those such low numbers of young adults who are actually regular attenders at church, and in my introduction I said 3%, that's a, that's a figure I got from your website, and 3% of young adults attending church regularly. And so what this means here, Jeff, is that some churches, some people who are listening to our conversation right now, uh, we'll actually be saying, well, our church wouldn't be involved in that because we haven't got any young adults. And if you haven't got any young adults, that probably is the biggest uh, evidence that there's a major problem, isn't it? Uh, because if you haven't got any young adults, you might be thinking, I don't have to be involved here. Maybe you've got to be involved all the more. What are your thoughts here? I think there's a number of ways to approach that. Definitely uh, every church that I talk to wants young adults in their church because they recognize they are the leaders of the future. Uh, and and sometimes we feel like, oh, they're not attending our church service, and so they're not part of our church. But if we stop putting all of our focus on our church service, and instead we trust that some of our um, older members can actually reach out and mentor a young adult, uh, whether, you know, in the workplace, uh, perhaps over in a, in a food court in a shopping centre during the week, read, get together and read the Bible together, that they can transfer faith to the next generation uh, really well. And, and, uh, and then that young adult is likely to attend church because of the relationship, not because of how amazing the program is, but because of the relationships that are built. And I think that's true for most of us, that so often we get caught up trying to run the most attractive program and instead, we need to focus on building those strategic relationships. Now, when it comes to initiatives, sometimes we feel like we've got to have something to hang a coat on. <laughs> You've got to have something that gives you an opportunity to connect. I want to touch on some things you've got coming up, because if you talk about reimagining how things have got to change, uh, how things can work for the future, you're running a series of winter conferences uh, across winter. Winter starts in a day or two's time. And for people to make a plan here of how they can get their young people engaged, this may be a real breakthrough. Uh, give us some insights into your winter conference schedule. So we run a one-week one winter conference during the, the common week break across the campuses in each state. And so, uh, so we're running one in Bustleton in WA uh, on the Sunshine Coast for Queenslanders and, and even New South Wales people want to head north for winter. Uh, and then for in Anglesey in Victoria for Victorian and South Australian students. And, uh, and these weeks away, they've, we've had uh, students come who aren't believers. We've had students who are passionate followers of Jesus, uh, and they're designed to engage people where they're at and move them towards a more faithful following of Jesus. Uh, we want to equip those who are passionate about the gospel to know how to share the gospel with their friends. And by the end of the week, they will have learnt how to do that and they'll have been engaged in a community that is willing to support them as they do that on their campus. So are these online conferences that people listening to us anywhere around Australia could link with? Because you mentioned uh, the one in Bustleton in Western Australia, the one on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, uh, Anglesey, Victoria. And uh, so you, you're trying to capture students. But are you yeah. trying to capture churches here too who could be the go-between between getting uh, those students connected with uh, the gospel support that you offer with, uh, with the ministry? Is, is that what's happening? 
These are these are student conferences. So after two years of not being able to meet in person, uh, these week aways are uh, really important for the students who are going to be on campus. And if a church wanted to partner with uh, one of the state conferences and and turn up en masse, then they would be more than welcome to with a with a youth pastor or a young adults pastor joining in. Uh, but it's uh, they're really designed to be, you know, for all the students at Monash University or at the Queensland University of Technology or uh, up in Rocky, uh, for those students to come to the conference together and to build the relationships because they're the ones who are going to be on mission on campus together. Okay, so you, it's not just an online thing. A church no, might decide so. to sponsor a young person to get them to a conference like this. That's right. Or a grandparent might sponsor their, their grandchild. Or a parent might say, uh, this is something I think my uh, teenager, my young adult might really uh, grow and appreciate. Uh, no doubt you've got to be able to uh, approach that in a, in a way that will uh, you know, make you a partner and not someone who's uh, you know, got a rod across their back. Uh, right. just, uh, just touch on this for a moment. Uh, if you are a parent... You're concerned about your teenager, young adults. They're in university. They seem to have neglected their church attendance. Their faith seems to be waning. This is the sort of young person that you'd have in a focus here. That's right. They would be uh, a perfect person to come. So, for example, uh, I'm actually doing the the Bible talks at the Anglesey Conference. I'm the the main speaker. Uh, And there's others who are running training and seminars. So... uh, yeah, so this I can tell you that uh, for a student who turns up to to that conference, they're going to feel welcomed. They're going to feel like by the beginning of the week, they won't know anybody. And a lot of students won't know anyone because they've only been engaging online, uh, if at all. Uh, whereas by the end of the week, they'll have formed friendships, which I can tell you will become some of their best friends in their university days. That's what happened with me. My first conference I turned up to, I didn't really know anyone. I resisted. Uh, signing up but by the end of the week I was very thankful that I'd been strongly encouraged to come and uh, and so I would say the same thing is uh, give us a go just uh, if you've got a if you're a parent say to the, to the student um, just give it a go see what happens Jeff is it harder than it's ever been for a young person on campus uh, to maintain a solid Christian faith without having some sort of support base around them I think it's always difficult to maintain our faith without a solid Christian support community around us, um, and uh, and sometimes you know we can we can uh, find that that support community is enough in our local church just for us to maintain our own faith. But the question is, becomes how effective do we become in representing Jesus in our everyday life? And the the advantage, the privilege of campus ministry is that we have people. It's, it's you know once you're leaving and you're into the workforce you're often by yourself you you may be the only christian uh when i graduated from university and was working for one of the big four accounting firms uh, i was one of only three christians that i knew in the whole office space um, out of over 100 people and it was very difficult as a junior person to figure out how do i live out my faith here how do i how do i represent jesus but on the university campus, we have people who can walk alongside you and help you learn how to do that. And uh, once you've learned it on campus, then hopefully you can translate that experience into the workplace. And so you've got young people who, uh, in many respects, are coming from non-Christian backgrounds. In other words, they've seen their parents go all through 
through all sorts of, uh, you know, their own exploration of uh, new age and uh, very secularised parents, perhaps parents who are workaholics, uh, driven by money, uh, where they've taken a backseat to their parents' uh, expectations of, of what they think is important. Young people exposed to different things when they come into contact with, uh, with your ministry. Exactly right. Uh, I mean, that's what Jesus does, doesn't he? He, he interrupts our lives uh, when we're running with our own agenda and he brings in his own agenda. Uh, when we think it's about us, he says, no, it's about me and about my father. And he invites us into a relationship and it changes our priorities. Uh, that's, that's what Jesus does. Jeff, let's talk some practical things uh, in this segment here as we get things uh, back underway again. You've got a, a a performing outfit that is working online called Amber Lights. Uh, something creative going on here. Give us your insights into Amber Lights. Yes, Neil. Amber Lights is the latest iteration of a band that uh, performed and toured, uh, has been touring high schools um, across New South Wales and Victoria, other places, uh, for a number of years. And they were seeing always great results in turning up, performing songs, the latest uh, musicals, you know, music, and interspersing it with testimonies and with explanations of the gospel. And often they would, they would tour, a visitor school, turn up, perform, and the local school chaplain or uh, other volunteer would be left to follow up perhaps the dozens or hundreds of students who responded. Um, but of course, with COVID happening and lockdowns and schools being closed, then the touring stopped. And Amber Light's uh, team leader, Peter, he, uh, he'd be, always had a heart for reaching out to people online through his music and through the band's performances, but had never had the, the space to do it until the lockdown happened. And so uh, they experimented with a few different platforms. And, and I can tell you that uh, at the moment, they're running uh, three performances a week on Twitch, uh, which is one of the, the new platforms for, for school students, for, for teenagers. And they're engaging with uh, about 500, the population of about 500 teenagers who follow them on Twitch uh, on a regular basis. They've started small groups. And so now as they're resuming their touring in schools, they're going to be maintaining their online presence uh, as a way to support the follow-up of the students who respond during their tour. So for listeners to our conversation today, uh, they're uh, young adults, uh, teenagers and young adults and students in university. They're going to be able to understand uh, how to uh, connect on Twitch and uh, to become involved in what's going on there. And and so what would you say to parents, though, uh, just to encourage their teenagers to perhaps uh, even connect with what's happening with Amber Lights? Mm. Well, I think uh, the easiest thing for a parent, for people of your generation, my generation, Neil, is uh, through Facebook. You can look up Amber Lights on Facebook and they have a Facebook page uh, which would direct you to their YouTube channel and other places. Uh, once you've got that, then I'm sure the teenager can find them on Twitch themselves. The um, yeah, I think it's really important for us to realise just uh, as much as we wrestle as parents to think about how do we control or limit or or help our teenagers manage their online engagement. There's plenty of families where that's not in, not managed at all, and uh, and so as much as we're thinking about uh, how do we look after our our children, uh, you know, we're also thinking this is an important space for us to engage with people who have no Christian influence. So those sixty percent who don't know anyone, 
uh, who follows Jesus, we are uh, we're looking to engage them there. And amber lights are one example of uh, of an innovative approach that we're that we're taking to engage those people. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Wendy is in Casino, in New South Wales. Hi, Wendy. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Neil. Lovely to hear the conversation. Yep. Um, as you probably remember from my um, my testimony, um, I was actually um, became an atheist after three weeks at university back in the nineteen uh, what was it nineteen sixty nine. So it was a long time ago. It's it's and a I'm long time ago, but uh, but as uh, as we've been hearing from Jeff, uh, there are challenges yeah. on university campuses. Uh, there have always been challenges there. And Wendy, just uh, in a nutshell, here when you say three yeah. weeks into your university you became an atheist, yeah. it just goes to I show, did. doesn't it? just how vulnerable you are when you're actually in university. That's right. And what I wanted to talk about today, though, um, yes, I'm very keen about to hear that, about people that need to be protected, like Christians need to be protected. But also, um, I've got a big issue with happening since COVID is there's a lot of mental health issues in young people now. And a lot of these people aren't going to church, and many of them, I know one personally that's at university, and she's a Christian, and yet she's suffering mental health issues and she's all they've got for her really is psychiatric stuff. And I just know as a Christian counsellor myself, or I've been a chaplain nowadays, that um, if there were some chaplains as part of Power to Change, they could also be tapped into for the many children at university that don't actually have a church. If there's only 3% adults going to a church around that young adult at that age, you know, are there chaplains as part of um, Power to Change? That's what I'm curious to know, that Jeff. will help actual Christians going through stuff. That's a great question, Wendy. Um, and uh, I'll confess that I was the only official chaplain uh, in our campus strategy. Uh, thank you. Thanks to a partnership with a local church who, who sponsored me as a chaplain on the campus. Uh, and that gave me the privilege of arguing with the university because you're right. It's not just uh, it's not just COVID, but even pre-COVID, there was a tidal wave of mental health issues arriving on campus. And the university is really they really struggle. They want to provide uh, counselors, they want to provide psychologists, they want to provide uh, student welfare officers, but those resources are being overwhelmed. And so I argued, uh, and the university would view the chaplains as another crisis management person. Um, but I argued that, uh, but that the best use of a chaplain or a power to change missionary on campus is actually to create the kind of Christian community that supports students who are going through struggles so that they don't end up in crisis. You know, the worst thing for a university is for a student to hit a crisis and then drop out because all the, the resources that that university is invested in recruiting them to the campus and getting them involved and enrolled and online and everything, and then for them to drop out is actually a real failure. And so the university sees value in us, uh, in us building communities where uh, peer-to-peer support is really the way to go. Um, if a student does hit crisis, then I think that's really important that we, um, that we refer them to professionals. But I think we can avoid a lot of the, the crises that happen uh, if they just have a, a, a friend, a, a fellow Christian or a Christian who cares for them, reaching out to them and involving them in the Christian community. Wendy in Casino, thank you so much for great contribution. Our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another call. Graham is in Burnie, Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I hope my two bob might help. But uh, 
Well, we've got a new world order working through the, the ministry of Satan in this world, through the uh, uh, teachers and so forth, and uh, it's getting ready for the greatest deception on the face of the earth. And that will be uh, one man claiming to be God and the other religious guy pushing it. So the world being set up for a great religious deception. And we really do need to wake up people to understand Matthew 24 and about deception of uh, a man on this earth claiming to be God. Graham, you're making a very, very good, strong point here. And uh, even if you're wondering about, you know, ultimately who will be the deceiver or uh, if you're taking that uh, Matthew 24 account, certainly we are warned early in the chapter in Matthew 24, make sure that no one deceives you. And online, uh, on uh, on campus, uh, Graham, uh, sorry, uh, Jeff, uh, the deception issue is a big one for, for young people to navigate. That's right. I I think there's uh, yeah. It's really important for us as believers to keep in mind the fact that Jesus is returning, and uh, there is a sense of urgency to what we're doing. That this is a contested space, uh, and that there is an agent of evil who is looking to deceive people, uh, and that if we try and figure this stuff out by ourselves, then we're also vulnerable to being deceived. We need to keep learning and trusting the Bible for ourselves, but doing it in the context of community. And for us, uh, yeah, the the traction, the, the thing that makes the difference is for people to come to understand who Jesus is. Uh, if we keep focusing on Jesus, then the rest of it kind of sorts itself out. Graham in Burnie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Will is uh, in the Western Sydney. Hello, Will. Welcome. Uh, yes, hello. How are you? Very well, Will. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, um, it wasn't at uni, but I went to TAFE, and um, this was back in 2003, and, I'm, and I wasn't a... And and I met someone there. Um, he had a uh, store set up in front of the library, and then um, and I started talking to them, and and that, then that's how I found out to be. That's how I, how 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 I become a Christian. Then wow, okay, good stuff. And uh, do you know who was running the store? Was it someone local, or were they connected with an organisation like Power to Change? Do you remember who they were connected with? Well, I I um. I started to go. To, I started to went to their church at the campus at uh, at Narimba, but um, but their store. They um, I went to tape at uh, Balcom Hills. So yeah, Jeff, uh, this is a typical way of uh, of just reaching out to students, just having a stall or just uh, being a presence somewhere. What are your thoughts that's for right. Will? Yeah, I think that's a really great story. I'm really excited to hear um, that Will was uh, connected with that way. Uh, sometimes, you know, God just works through random encounters. Uh, we can set up a stall and we don't know who's going to come by. And uh, as much as our focus is on university campuses, uh, TAFE's a really important space as well. Uh, although often, you know, people go to TAFE after they've put in a whole day of work uh, and they turn up, you know, tired, and, you know, only for an hour or two. Whereas on campus, they tend to be around for the whole day uh, or, you know, for the whole day if they turn up um, on that day. So, uh, so I think, yeah, I knew a guy who was doing stuff like that in Western Sydney with the TAFE campuses and his name escapes me, but, uh, I'm praying that it's, uh, that that was who Will ran into because, uh, that would be a great encouragement for him to hear that Will's still following Jesus, uh, 
all these years later. Hey, Will, just before I let you go, uh, you made contact on that day at the stall that was at your TAFE campus. And uh, no doubt a conversation was struck up. You would have been invited to get together and have a, a conversation and things would have deepened from there. How did things start to work with, uh, you know, the way you got more gradually connected with that church? Uh, yeah, so um, I went to Bible studies um, at, at, at the Rimba campus then. And, mm-hmm. and then I eventually went, start, started to go to church service, services. Um, yeah. And then, and then eventually um, started to learn the Bible because I didn't un- understand the Bible, but it, it eventually got better and better for, for me then after that, yeah. Were you feeling isolated at the time, Will, and uh, thought, you know, maybe I don't have too many friends and here was an opportunity to connect with uh, a particular group of people that you could click with? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <sighs> that's an important element, isn't it, Jeff? Uh, the thought that you're actually going to be a part of a a group that will be able to talk about these different things on a level where you wouldn't get to talk about them any other way. Uh, Your thoughts here on on just the process by which when that contact is made, uh, just getting people into a group and then there's a discipleship process, isn't there? There is. And and we know that any time we go through a disruption, you know, I just moved uh, to a new new house, a new neighbourhood, and I don't know people. And so I'm actually looking for people to meet. And so when a student arrives on a university campus or in a TAFE and they don't know anybody, it's important that they get to meet people. And uh, and so they so they are looking. Uh, they're open to relationships, uh, just as Will was, they, to consider something that they hadn't thought about before. And it's probably because the person they talked to was, you know, friendly uh, and grace-filled and wasn't, you know, trying to Bible bash them, but they were just interested in getting to know them as they were and find out where they were at and, and seeing if they could help. And uh, and obviously for Will, you know, learning to be to read the Bible and learning what's in the Bible was brand new for him. And for many of our students, that's exactly what's happening. They, we can't expect them to know anything. Um, I was at church last night, and and uh, the person who sat next to me, sat, sat next to my wife, had never been to church before. She comes from uh, totally uh, from overseas, from a totally non-church, non-Christian uh, background, uh, and she was trying to sing songs that she didn't know what they meant, and she didn't know. It. And so. My wife's meeting up with her on Friday uh, to read the Bible together and to introduce her to who Jesus is. And it might take her a while to learn. Uh, and so there needs to be patience and grace. And, uh, and one thing we know about our changing culture is that uh, in the cancel culture, there's no grace. And so the defining characteristic of our Christian communities needs to be grace. Will in Western Sydney, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Just touch on something here because uh, you've got connection. Uh, There is a young person who is seeking some answers and sometimes they're more complicated answers than other times, sometimes very simple answers, sometimes it's just a friendship issue. But hospitality, how valuable is hospitality uh, for the Christian believer? Because somehow or other, I've noted uh, in conversations, uh, Jeff, that uh, somehow or other through COVID, we've even lost a lot of our social skills and hospitality doesn't flow as easy as it did before. How important is it to just be welcoming, friendly and hospitable and, and run some events where people can just connect socially? It's incredibly important, Neil, and it's right. Uh, I, I, as you know, there 
we've stopped having people over to our house. We've fallen into habits of laziness in a sense of not uh, of not going out unless we need to. And, and some of us are needing to be cautious, more cautious than at others, other times. But uh, but hospitality is still really critical. Uh, and prior to COVID, uh, for example, on some of our campuses at Macquarie University in Sydney uh, and other campuses, we were hosting uh, meals where we would invite international students to come and, and we'd have a curry and rice and, and put it on uh, and have a chance for them to get to talk to each other and break up into small groups and discuss uh, one of the stories from the Gospels. Um, and then during COVID, of course, uh, you know, things shut down and we couldn't gather that way. Uh, students were locked in their apartments. Uh, and for many of our international students, the way they supported themselves was through working part-time jobs that, uh, that they could no longer work because the, the restaurants had shut down. And so we delivered food to the students, uh, groceries, emergency groceries. But then um, we also decided that it wasn't just about supplying those needs, that we, uh, some of our teams got a grant and, and provided hot meals uh, at the same time as the the uh, dinners were happening previously and so they would all meet on zoom and eat their their um, their delivered hot food uh, and meet on and still continue their meetings because the sociability of what happens over a meal is so important uh, sometimes it can be big and organized but sometimes it's just as simple as meeting in a cafe and re- and having a coffee together and it takes all the stress and so much of the tension out of a meeting. Jeff, I know that even when the peak of COVID was hitting, uh, you were still uh, working very hard and tens of thousands of opportunities to share the gospel and to help connect young people on university campuses. Is there any? Uh, is there a single story you can think of, uh, something that's outstanding uh, that uh, describes the effects of a young person when they're in contact with an organisation like yours, Power to Change? Any particular story come to mind? Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, I'll tell a story of my own, um, even though this is repeated over and over again. But uh, I was reaching out uh, over the, the summer break uh, before in, in between the two COVID years. And knowing that our O weeks were unlikely to be in person, I thought I'll reach out through some social media to some contacts, uh, some, some Year 12 school leavers. And, uh, and I connected with a guy who... Uh, used to go to my old school, even though I'd you know, graduated 30 years before he, he did, uh, he was willing to meet up with me. And so we met, we met up uh, in the city before campus started, um, and, uh, and he agreed to meet again later when campus did start. And so uh, as campus started, I met, met up with him again, um, and, we, and I invited him to do Christianity Explained again. He had no, absolutely no church background, uh, no religious influence in his life at all. But the first time we met on campus, he turns up and then this other guy, this other student turns up as well. And I was like, this is a little awkward. I hadn't sort of didn't know where this this other student, Kevin, was coming from or where he was, what his level of interest was. And it turned out he was just lonely. He'd arrived on campus not knowing anyone. He'd met Stephen in class. And when he heard Stephen was meeting with someone, he just wanted to turn up and join him. And so... Stephen and Kevin and I started meeting up, uh, started to talk about the first lesson of Christianity Explained. Um, it turned out that after two weeks that Stephen really wasn't interested, that even though he'd agreed to meet with me a couple of times, that he wasn't interested in keeping going. And, and that was fine, but I found out to my surprise that Kevin was. Uh, and, and so Kevin and, uh, and, and Nick, the student I mentioned last hour, 
uh, we met up with him and, and uh, Nick continued to take Kevin through the Christian Explain course. And, uh, and so it started online, but it transitioned into in-person. And then, of course, they were doing conferences online. And then as shutdowns happened, they continued to meet online as well. And so what we're finding, I think, is that the relationships aren't determined by whether you're meeting face-to-face or online, but it's determined by the relationship. Um, we, we can start in person or we can start online, but it's probably going to need both if we're going to keep, uh, keep effectively reaching out to this generation. Well, Jeff, you're a part of an amazing organisation, Power to Change. Jeff Folland, National Leader for Strategic Engagement at Power to Change. And Jeff is based in Melbourne. Uh, They've got offices in Sydney and in Brisbane. And uh, let me just mention those winter conferences again, because this is a real opportunity for young people to connect young people with a Christian faith uh, to support one another and to be a part of what will happen on campus uh, so far as uh, power to change. Uh, The winter conferences, there's one in Busselton in Western Australia, another one on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland and another one in Anglesey in Victoria. And so for people uh, in those regions, and I know that people will travel perhaps uh, long, long distances to be a part of those winter conferences, and they're not too far off now. Let me point listeners to how you can actually connect with those or how you can actually get some word to the young people in your life, those young adults who are going through university, powertochange.org.au powertochange.org.au and we also mentioned Amber Lights uh, performing online each day through the week engaging online afternoons on a Twitch channel Uh, you might be able to get some detail there on the Power to Change website too powertochange.org.au and uh, wonderful insights, Jeff Folland. Uh, you've got a whole reimagining uh, underway. You're looking for new initiatives to be effective in the way that you reach out on campus. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 